This is WSB Scott Slade. You no doubt know Walter Isaacson's previous works, books about the life and times of Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, and Benjamin Franklin. Here's my conversation with Walter Isaacson about his terrific new book about the life and times of Leonardo da Vinci. It's great to talk to you. I am loving Leonardo da Vinci, your latest book, and the one word I keep coming up with trying to describe it is rich. Rich in detail, illumination, and what kind of guy did you find Leonardo da Vinci to be? Well, you got the right adjectives. He's somebody who wanted to know everything you could know about everything that could be known, including how we fit into it all. And uh, one of the good things the publisher did was use that high-quality, you know, gloss paper so that it color, uh, wonderful color pictures throughout. So there's a rich, illuminating book about a rich, illuminating life to me, and there are a lot of lessons to be learned from him about how to be curious and observant and thus have be imaginative and become innovative. You are known uh, for your research and, and, and delving into rich detail. And again, here we are back at Rich again, but I, I, I'm just over, almost overwhelmed at how you uh, find a sense of place even to take us back 600 years. How did you dig that deep? Well, the wonderful thing about Leonardo da Vinci is that we have more than 7,000 pages of his notebooks. Now, you know, paper is a really good technology for the storage of information. I mean, 700 years from now, 500 years from now, your, your radio shows, your tweets, my Facebook posts, uh, nobody will be able to find them. But paper is great. So I went around Europe uh, to places like Milan and Florence and London and uh, Venice and looked at all of his notebooks and just read them page after page so that I could connect what he was thinking, what he was feeling, his science, his engineering, his, his medical drawings. I could connect those to the paintings that he did. And most people write about Leonardo, they write about the paintings. But to me, he was an engineer, a scientist, anatomist, as well as a painter. And that ability and desire to do it all is what made him very enriching as a life. One of the things that impressed me were how few of his paintings are around now. Is that because they were lost or because he finished so few of them? It's because he finished so few of them, and that's one of the, uh, that's one of the things about Leonardo's life you have to wrestle with, because he let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, he carried the Mona Lisa around for 16 years, not giving it to the uh, person who had commissioned it, you know, a silk merchant. It was the silk merchant's wife, but Leonardo carried it all the way to France to get it perfect. And there were other great paintings that he carried around but just never finished, like the Adoration of the Magi. I think that he, you know, had he done a little bit less science and a little bit less math and a little bit less anatomy and geology, he would have finished more paintings. And that's a criticism that some art critics have of him. But to me, if he had done had not done those things, he wouldn't have been Leonardo da Vinci. He wouldn't have been so deeply enriched by the beautiful patterns of nature that cross disciplines. So we'd have a few more pictures, but we probably would not have the Mona Lisa. I'm, I'm curious about that, too. What were you able to divine about Leonardo da Vinci from his to-do lists? Oh, I love those almost every week. He'd write about things that you and I kind of noticed when we were kids, but we, we outgrew after we were 10 years old, after our wonder years. Like, why is the sky blue? Or how do they walk on ice in Holland? 
Or, you know, why does the light hit a leaf and make this type of shadow? Or describe the tongue of a woodpecker. I mean, who would wake up one morning and want to know what the tongue of a woodpecker looked like? Right. A 10-year-old would. Yeah. But not, you know, it's not something Leonardo needed to do a flying machine or a bird. He just did it because he was Leonardo. He was curious. And so those lists show me that the foundation of his imagination was curiosity, not just about uh, amazing things, but curiosity about ordinary things that we sometimes ignore, like looking at water flowing into a pond and figuring out why does it swirl. And you see that in every one of his paintings. You see it in his anatomy drawings. You see it in his engineering about rivers trying to divert the Arno, all because as a young kid to the end of his life, he loved looking at and asking questions about why does water swirl the way it does when it, hit, when it hits obstacles. Some things that may surprise people about Leonardo da Vinci that I know you found speak to his ease at being a bit of a misfit. Yeah, he was left-handed, vegetarian, gay, uh, you know, illegitimate. Uh, he was somewhat heretical, although he <clears throat> very interested in religion, but he, like, tested out whether the biblical flood really happened by looking at layers of fossils and sediments and saying it couldn't have been the exact way as it was in the Bible, but then he still has a religious streak to him. So he both fits in, but he's willing to be a round peg in a square hole, a bit of a misfit. This is an important thing to learn because Florence, when Leonardo was there, he was born in 1452, and for most of the late 1400s, he's living in Florence, is a very tolerant city. It has a mix of people who come from, you know, the fall of the Ottoman Empire and Constantinople, it happened. So people come from the East bearing algebra. There are people like Botticelli and Michelangelo and Leonardo who are gay. There are people who are experimenting with new ways of doing things or questioning things. And the Medici family are great bankers. They're figuring out new ways to do banking. But they're very tolerant of artists and artists and architects who are changing things. And this is why you have what's called the Renaissance. The Renaissance is born there because people are willing to challenge conventional thinking. I know our time's about up, but I did want to at least get a comment from you on what you'll be telling the audience when you come to Atlanta November 5th at the Marcus Jewish Community Center. What will you, what will you bring them? Well, first of all, I'll say thanks, because I have been to the Marcus JCC so many times in my life with so many books, and I lived in Atlanta and loved it back when I worked at CNN. But I will be telling them that we have to make sure, not only for ourselves, but especially for our children, that we learn the lessons of Leonardo, to be curious, to be observant, to cross disciplines instead of silo ourselves. Also to be open to imagination, because Leonardo loved putting on theater performances, and those things he imagined, like little flying props, became real flying machines. So be open to mystery and imagination, and all those things I mean, you know, we come out of Halloween last night. All those things we uh, indulge in our children, let's make sure they don't grow up and lose that mystery, imagination, and curiosity. 
It's been a pleasure visiting with Walter Isaacs and talking about his new book, Leonardo da Vinci. Looking forward to your visit to Atlanta. Thank you for taking this time with our listeners. And you know what? I love WSB. It's good to be back on the air to a station I listen to all the time. you got a strong signal. Walter Isaacson appears on Sunday evening, November 5th, at the Book Festival of the Marcus Jewish Community Center of Atlanta. One of many authors that will be there over the next few days. It's easy to find out more. Just Google Walter Isaacson Atlanta.